Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember, folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. And now I am absolutely thrilled to introduce you guys to today's guest, Bridget Lyons from unfetteredinc.com. Uh, I decided to interview Bridget for several reasons. First, we got to meet her the first time in person at WDS, and she is an absolute riot. But she also actually has useful information to share with you guys, uh, has been really just a rock star in terms of PR and a bunch of other things. So I am absolutely thrilled to have her here. Bridget, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you. I'm so psyched to be here. Um, about the Instigator Experience website and what you have set up over there, it's like a treasure hunt. I think that everybody really should go check out the website because like the way you're doing clues, it feels like we're going on a treasure hunt with you. Well, that's kind of the point. And yeah, uh, yeah no, definitely go check it out. So Bridget, I am going to ask you my very first question that I usually ask everybody. And that is, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and how that has brought you to doing the work that you do today? Yeah. So, um, I am, um, first and foremost, a writer. I've I've kind of always been a writer. When I was a little kid, I used to write these, um, stories about a mouse and a hamster that were best friends and went on adventures together. (laughs) And, um, like most writers, I went to, you know, university and got a degree in creative writing and kind of looked around at my options and thought, what in the world am I going to do with this background? Um, And when I came out into the workforce, the job environment wasn't so hot, kind of like it is now. And I remember actually working with a a temp agency, um, and I really wanted to try to break into public relations and work for a PR firm because I thought that would be a really creative career that I could use my um, writing background. And I remember this this experience where I'm talking to the person at the temp agency and she thought, oh, sure, I can place you with a PR agency because, you know, with a writing background, you're not going to feel like competition to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And nothing really fires me up like being told that there's a competition of any kind. I'm the kind of person who um, really feels like when I play a game that you have to play, keep score. You know, I really like to win. And that's something I battle with all the time. So I really made it my mission to break into the agencies, whereas before I wasn't sure if that was the work I was going to do. Um, Once I was told that, there was no way I wasn't going to do it. And of course I did. Um, I worked with uh, public affairs agencies doing like government relations, issue management, like advocacy kind of work. Um, And then I switched over after a few years to corporate communications But like almost every single person who works in public relations 
or marketing, especially in a kind of corporate position, you kind of realize that it's not as creative as you think it's, it was going to be when you started out and you're writing, but you're writing in a lot of corporate speak and the um, projects you're working on maybe aren't as exciting or as interesting or as meaningful as you would hope they would be when you set out. So I left. Um, first, I went to work for a nonprofit for a couple of years as a communications director director. And then I took my ultimate leap, which is when I started Unfettered Inc. two years ago to kind of work on my own and to really bring it back to what I wanted to be doing, which was doing a lot more writing, um, bringing back a lot of curiosity to my work that I felt like was really lacking. I'm a person who, uh, a little bit of a paradox, although I think we all have it, and that I get really intensely interested and obsessive over topics, but I'm also very easily bored. So a lot of my work right now is trying to find that balance between what is it that captures our imagination and where are the places where we get bored and like bringing that to my clients to structure kind of like how they should be sharing their message so it spreads. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. cool. All right. Well, let's do this. Um, let's take a few steps back. Uh, I, mm-hmm. you know, always really interested in looking at uh, the early part of somebody's career just because I feel like it influences so much of what they do later on. So a couple of questions around this. One is that you've made multiple leaps and some of them are not really even connected to each other. I mean, but it seems like you've brought experiences from each one. So one, I'm curious, you know, how have all the experiences you've had up until now shaped and influenced what you're doing today? And, you know, what advice do you have for people who are trying to make leaps? Um, and, and how, you know, how do you, instead of, you know, just make leaps, but how do you make leaps that are actually useful so they ultimately get you to where you want to go? Because it seems like even if it wasn't planned, you were always kind of moving in the direction of where you wanted to go. Gosh, this is such a great question because I right now feel like I'm at a point in my life where I'm almost having a homecoming to, to who I am and what I was most passionate about. 10 or 15 years ago. And, um, the reason I say that is because I've always been a person who's really, um, cause oriented and, um, really interested in politics. When I was in uh, college, I wrote a column for our school paper and it was like a very controversial column, actually, um, talking about a lot of political issues and people used to like come up to me on campus and be like, I cannot believe you wrote that. (laughs) kinds of things. Um, And so when I started my PR career, that's where I started was working with a firm who was very connected to the um, Democratic Party actually in Chicago. And I got to do really cool things. Like I got to volunteer with the Obama campaign when Obama was running for state Senate. Um, One of the first things I ever worked on was this bus tour run by the National Union actually um, protesting the Bush administration. So I I was very involved in um, political activism early in my career. But then I went into like the more corporate side of things, um, mostly because I got really jaded. Um, When you kind of see how, you know, the burrito is put together or the sausage is put together, right, you get a little disenchanted. And I had this experience where I would be writing articles um, from the kind of the publicist side and seeing them show up in newspapers or seeing the reports end up on the local TV programs. And that made me really sad. Like I was doing my job really well, but it made me depressed because I thought that wasn't in the public's best interest, that the things that I wrote on behalf of clients were actually showing up in the newspaper like they were the news. Um, So that's why I kind of quit that. And I feel like the work that I'm doing now, though, is actually a homecoming and trying to um, bring it back to 
how can I work now with clients or support people um, to around issues around issues that I find are really important. Um, but kind of bringing that balance of saying, well, I know how these things are done, but you know, how can I use that in a way that has more of a public benefit and a net good where I felt before I was doing harm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, the thing that uh, the other part that I'm interested in is, you know, when people are making these sort of leaps, um, I mean, sometimes there's the advice of just quit everything and go, and that's not, you know, Mm -hmm. practical for most people. But I think that one of the things around making leaps that's useful is at least leaping in the direction of where you want to go. So even if you can't quit your job, I mean, what, what kinds of things do you do? You, what, what advice do you have for people who are in that position? It's like I can make a little bit of a leap, not a gigantic one. Yeah. And it's funny that you talked about making leaps and like jumping around because I think from the outside, my career tra- trajectory looks kind of brave and like I'm making these leaps. But for me, it's always felt really safe. And I feel like sometimes I'm too much on the safe side because of what you've just asked. Like when I, um, was hurting about how I felt about working in politics, I, you know, I quit the political side of PR, but I stayed in PR, right? So it's like, it's like the swinging from tree to tree. You don't have to like let go of the branch behind you before you go forward. You can kind of, you know, go to the next logical step. Um, so that's one thing that I did a lot in my career. And I think that sometimes when you feel like I need to make a change, it's, it's really easy to just abandon everything that's come before. Um, and that's not always necessary. It's more like taking the skills you had before and figuring out like, what's the next transition for those? How can you use those skills? Um, so you're not just like getting rid of all the equity you built up. Um, so I think that's one thing. Another thing, which may be kind of boring, but for me, it's always important to kind of like make sure that, like, how long can I stand this and put some money in the bank? <laughs> you know, when I left, um, to do, to go on my own, that's why I left and went for the nonprofit because it was like, okay, well, what's some work that I can do while I'm building up, getting ready to quit. Like when I started working in the nonprofit, even though I was there two years, I knew the whole time that my end game was to be working for myself. So it was, um, kind of like a, easier way to make a transition so that I could be saving up money, but maybe free up some time to work on my business in the meantime, which didn't actually work out that way. (laughs) Um, but that was the goal. So I think that the biggest thing is just, you don't have to like sever your connection to, to everything that, that that's already informing what you're doing, um, up to that point when you're feeling like you're making your big leap. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I can kind of relate to sort of going into something, knowing that the end game is not to stay there. Um, cause yeah. the last corporate job I ever had was working at this online travel company, but I even made sure that the job was going to be a perfect setup to get me to the next step because my job there was to run their blog, manage all their social media. So yeah. it was kind of like all my side projects were actually benefiting my day job and vice versa. So I, I thought, but I think the other part about setting aside money during that time, uh, you know, with that in mind, I think that's another place people get trapped is, is, you know, I, I, I can't remember who, I think uh, Dave Navarro had a post. You can either call it a uh, happy trails fund or a fuck you fund. <laughs> right, right. I prefer the second version, but you know, Me too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, one thing I, I want to go back to uh, actually is this idea of controversy uh, only because, I mean, you have a, a somewhat irreverent tone in the way you write. And controversy is something that's interesting to me, especially, you know, it's funny. We we're talking about our, our mutual friend, James Altucher, who definitely I always I jokingly say that James is the most convincing conspiracy theorist in the world with the way he <laughs> writes. But 
controversy is interesting to me because, you know, in a world that's incredibly noisy, it does stand out. It causes you to, to get above the noise. But what I'm curious about is, you know, how do you bring that into what you do as a writer in a way that you're not doing it just to you know, just for the sake of saying, hey, look at me, I'm making a bunch of noise, but not actually adding value with the converse. You know what I'm saying? I realized a really weird question. No, I, I think it's a great question. Um, you know, like when we're sitting here and having this conversation, right, there's or when you open up your laptop to read a blog post or something, there are like literally millions of inputs c- competing for attention, right? Your brain is like constantly filtering out all these millions of inputs. And so getting somebody's attention is a gift. Um, And I think that you really have to earn that. And one of the ways to earn that is um, it can be through controversy, but I don't think it's controversy to be controversial, like for the sake of it, Mm -hmm. but it's for the sake of like, you need to tell somebody something that is new to them or that is unexpected. Like the other person who I follow that is my all-time favorite blogger. I've been following her for years, even though I don't always agree with her, is Penelope Trunk, mm-hmm. right? Because she does exactly what James does. Is she takes things that we think are like so obvious and so self-evident and kind of flips them and shows us a new way of looking at them. And, and the ability to do that is something that you really have to cultivate. It's not easy, um, but it's not being like just in your face because I feel like being in your face, but it's saying like, I, I need to earn your attention, and that's one of the best ways, I think, to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would happen to agree. It's, it's it, You're right. I, I like the fact that you brought up it's something you have to cultivate. I don't think that it's one of those things that you can decide one day that you're going to start doing it, and it just <laughs> happens. Uh, it, like, it's funny because I think if you tried to go and emulate uh, any of these people that we're talking about, you would fail, and at best you'll become a pale imitation of them. Yeah. One of the ways that I, I think about it for myself and also try to work because when, when you're doing media placements, right, it's really important that when you're working with the media, that's one of the easiest ways to create a hook is you take something that is being reported everywhere or like a seasonal trend piece and try to find your way into that conversation. And the best way to do that is to say, like, I have this area of expertise or interest and start consuming a bunch of information and notice in yourself, like where you find yourself disagreeing, where you find yourself reading the news or reading your favorite magazine, you're going like, well, I, I mean, they're not really getting that right. Or even better if you start getting angry, because then you know you're really onto something and that you have something fresh to say about a topic that people are already, um, they're already reporting on or they're already interested in. Um, so I think fo- following those areas where you're, they're like rubbing you the wrong way is a great place to start. And everybody has those. What happens is we're afraid to have an opinion, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're afraid to like, say like, well, everybody thinks this one thing. And so I'm afraid that I'm going to go out, that people are going to feel like I'm stupid. Like they're going to say like, oh, well, you're stupid. Why would you think that? Or that they're going to feel attacked by what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Something I've come up across with a lot. It's like when you have an opinion, it's different than other people. A lot of people will take that personally and feel like, well, your opinion is attacking me. And it's like, well, no, I'm just going against something that's really conventional. And of course, that's going to rub up against your beliefs and cause friction, Mm -hmm. but you don't want to back away from that. The way to get people's attention and and to earn that is to really stick, sit with that and stay with that and, and like follow it through to its conclusion. 
Yeah, well, it's funny because as you were, were saying that, I was thinking about your post on the Gmail promotions tab, and I was like, <laughs> finally. I'm like, okay, good, because I was kind of like, you know, I've gotten that email from 20 different people. Oh I was like, I'm just going to copy and paste it into my email newsletter. And then I thought, why would I send this out? Everybody who subscribed to my newsletter is probably subscribed to those newsletters too. No need to let you guys know. And I like the promotions tab pretty much like you. I'm like, okay, this is much easier to sort through now. Yeah. And that's the thing where like, I'm still getting emails about that when, you know, they first started like a week ago mm-hmm. and it's just kind of annoying. Cause it's like, yeah, like I've, I've been bombarded with this already. So it's like, if you don't have something new to say, if you're just copying and pasting what other people are saying, then why are you bothering? Like <laughs> to move on. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people are doing it. Well, let me ask you this. You know, you know, we've talked about this idea of being opinionated. And, you know, I remember when I had Erica Learmark here, she said, you know, the key is to be provocative, but provocative with a purpose, not just, you know, in your face. The thing is, you know, you mentioned being opinionated and you're right. I think a lot of people will fear being opinionated because they feel like that, you know, hey, I'm going to be the person attacking another person. And like, I can't, it might've been Erica. She's like, people are too damn nice on the internet. <laughs> um, you know, and on the flip side of that, you've obviously got people who are total trolls, but like, look, how do you get past that fear of having an opinion? Cause I think that honestly is what keeps people from being like completely honest. Mm, that's a really hard one. And it's really hard for me because like, I personally have been told so many times that, my opinions like are hurtful to other people. (laughs) Um, especially when I was in college, I had some issues with that. And I think, I think what you have to do is just really hold on to, to like your own center of, of like, this is so like cheesy and woo woo. And I'm like, not a woo woo cheesy person. (laughs) Um, but it's, it's an area where I've had to work on a lot of like personal healing with that, of just saying like, you know, the, the, the conventional opinion is out there and like it has its place and it's right. But the only way ever to have progress is to question, to question our assumptions, to question our assumptions that govern our days, that govern our businesses, that govern our lives. And I think that that's a really important role. And it's important partially because it's hard to do. Like if more people were out there doing it, then maybe people like Erica and I and you, Shereen, wouldn't have to be out here <laughs> being the pains in the ass, asking all these hard questions or poking at at the conventional wisdom. But I do think that it's kind of the way that, that we make progress and um, like society gets better. Like I said, I'm being cheesy right now. <laughs> That's how I feel. Well, you know what? Let's do this. Let's shift gears. Uh, as you've probably heard me say a thousand times, uh, I... Actually, I think that makes a perfect setup to talking about something that you mentioned earlier. Uh, Two things, actually. One was sort of, you know, realizing that you weren't getting to be creative when you were doing corporate work and and finding that your writing had a lot of corporate speak in it when you're in that environment. And also, you know, to talk about curiosity in more detail, you know, I think curiosity in particular. But, you know, I want to talk about this corporate speak piece in, in more detail because it's something that just became very, very apparent to me as I started hammering through the copy on our website. And I was like, wow, this sounds really fucking boring. Nobody wants to read this. And I started making changes. So what I would love for you to do is kind of walk us through how to get rid of that in our brands. I mean, I think that, you know, like removing the corporate speak and, and starting to show up the way we, you know, in a way that we do stand out. Yeah. Ooh, good question. Um, I think the first, the first thing to say is 
and it's something that you hear again and again and again, and I think it bears repeating, is that it's really important to try as much as possible to write the way that you speak. And because you don't use like jargon or corporate speak when you're having a conversation with someone. And so one of the things that I do when I when I write my newsletter particularly, and I get a lot of positive feedback about the tone in my newsletters, it's that I always imagine that I'm actually speaking to a very specific person. So if I've had a client who's had an issue or a reader who's emailed me, I try to actually like bring that person, call them into my mind and write, write a post or write an email like I'm talking directly to that person. And right there, that just like when you're having a conversation, like the conversation we're having right now, it's going to be so much more natural than if you sit down um, and and write for like this imaginary crowd. You know, it's important to make like a one-to-one connection with the person on the other side. So I think that that's the most important. And following up on that, just reading your stuff aloud will take care of that so fast. (laughs) Um, Beyond that, though, one of the things that I like to do for myself and I really encourage other people to do is like I like to set challenges for myself. So I'll set a challenge like I'm really obsessed with um, using storytelling to capture people's imagination. So I'll challenge myself when I write something to say, like, how can I tell a story about this? What is an actual story that I can share that will make this more interesting? Or um, I'm not very good with using metaphor actually. So I'll sit there and say like, okay, so I've written this out. How can I use a metaphor? Um, and so trying to use like common techniques in storytelling, but in my more like business writing. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I think that it's really weird because, um, for such a long time, we've had this idea that, you know, you need to sound professional and you need to have this like polished resume and all this, like just corporate jargon and bullshit that really honestly makes you just, you know, blend into what's out there. I remember our friend Heather Thorkelson, she wrote this really great post called The Curse of Sounding Professional that ended up on the front page of Medium. And I thought, okay, this is a phenomenal explanation of this. And and I think that that's our, that's our initial default. We're like, oh, what if somebody lands on this fight? And I noticed that the more you're sort of willing to showcase your flaws and, and sort of, you know, I mean, not in a way that like makes you look like a hot mess, but like, you know, shows like that you're an actual real person. Here's what it came down to for me. I realized that if the way you present yourself online is relatable, mm-hmm. you're going to draw people in way more than if you're on this sort of like pedestal of authority. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite books is Brain Rules. And there's a passage in there where he talks about like relationships matter when attempting to teach human beings mm-hmm. that, you know, like the kind of connection that we have with one another that matters. Like you pay attention to people when you like them. And if you don't like them, you, it doesn't matter how much wisdom they have for you. You're not going to listen to it. So I think being relatable in that vein is so important. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do this. Um, let's, let's shift gears a little bit. I, I want to start getting into the bulk of your work at unfettered Inc. Um, and, and you know, some of the reasons you contacted me and there are a couple of things that you talked about. So let's frame this in the context of sort of a tactical example. So let's say a client comes to you and they come to you with sort of, you know, two or three objectives. It's like, Hey, you know, I know that you help people get media placements. And the other thing that you brought up was creating a brand that spreads. So what does your process look like? I mean, let's say I come to you and I say, okay, Bridget, let's work together. What does that look like, you know, from sort of inception to getting them to where they want to go? Oh, well, one of the things that I do now is completely opposite to the things that I did when I was in an agency. I feel like I didn't actually learn how to work with clients until I had to do it on my own. Um, 
because traditionally, like if you, if you were to say like, how am I going to get my story in the media? What most people do, the common approach is to first look at your own story and think about like, what is it that I want to say? Or what, what do I want to communicate? What is it that I want to sell? And that is absolutely the wrong place to start. Well, you actually, when, what I always start with for my clients is sort of, um, like taking a broad overview of what's the conversation that's already happening in the media or your customers or your target audience that that they can tap into. So you want to take like this very broad view of saying like, what is it that people are really interested in? And then going back to her point on controversy is like, what is the entry point? What is the point where, you know, you have something unique to say or a really interesting story to tell or a piece of unconventional advice that you can enter that conversation in a really natural way. And only then do you start looking at, you know, then like, what is it that, um, like you want to say about yourself, right? It, it has to start with what's that conversation and what does my customer need to hear? So that's the process that I take my clients through is really looking at What's the environment? Where's your customer, your audience hanging out? What are they already talking about? And then what is the unique thing that you have to say that is going to make them pay attention to you? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. So, I mean, once you sort of figure out the first two steps, I mean, you brought up the, the, the unique thing that you, you, you know, want to say, and I think that's relevant regardless of whether you're pitching a media or you just want to stand online. I mean, I, it's funny because now I'm, I'm not surprised that you're able to get my attention and say, you know, get yourself on the show because I know that, you know, it's funny. Anytime I have somebody like you or, or Ryan holiday, I'm like, how much of this is your like skill at work? <laughs> and, you know, it's all but, everything. Yeah. No, but it's, it's actually, the truth is that, you know, I, I always tell people to refer to these certain interviews to say, you know, if you want to be on the show, go and listen to these because they're examples of what, how this all works. But that, that sort of, you know, finding what that unique angle is or that hook within your own story. I mean, yeah, I think this kind of takes us back to the the whole curiosity thing. I mean, how do you mine for that? Like, what do you do when when you work with somebody to figure out those things? Because I mean, I I have my ideas around this, but I'm really curious as to you know, because there's a lot of people I think are convinced that they're just not that interesting. Mm, gosh, and I feel almost the opposite. Like our stories are what make us so unique. Like everybody has advice, right? <laughs> like advice is cheap. Advice is almost a commodity at this point. A story is like your fingerprint. Like that is what makes you so different from somebody else. And it's what infuses, like it's what makes us want to pay attention to your advice. But you know, what you're saying is what I face with almost every single client is that they want to start with the how-tos and the tips Mm -hmm. and that they back away from telling their personal stories or the stories of their customers. So that's one of the things that I have to push people on the absolute hardest. And one of the things I've been working with people lately is this um, framework of um, mythology, using mythology um, archetypes to create your stories. Mm -hmm. So like a really concrete example of this is your origin story, which is like, you know, like, how did you get started? (laughs) Whether it's in your business, with your blog, whatever it is, like, what is, what is your origin story? And what I'm trying to work with people on this is to actually find that point of total conflict that they had to solve with what they're doing now, whether it's the business or writing a book or whatever it is. So like trying to get people, like draw them out through a series of exercises to identify a point of almost like, of pain, um, that there was something happening that they like had to fix for people and actually getting at the story of like, what was that concrete moment of realization? Because that is so powerful because that will resonate. Like the, the person who's reading that will feel that they'll feel the emotion coming through. Um, they'll feel so like enveloped with your cause and your mission that if you can bring them to that point of greatest pain and your origin story, then you're going to create this like amazing resonant, um, message that you can use all over the place. And, you know, 
who does this really well, I think, is James Altucker. You talked about him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he talks every single blog post, right? He talks about, I was lying on the floor and <laughs> my girlfriend was cheating on me and I was broke and like I had to pick myself up. I mean, that's what he does. He gives us that rawness of his of his very human experience. And whether or not you've ever been in that position, you instantly get it. You instantly know where you're coming from. You can put yourself in his shoes and it makes the advice and the philosophy that he's sharing like that much easier kind of to swallow, to take in, like you said, like a conspiracy theorist almost, right? Uh But, but when he tells these very visceral stories, um, you're drawn in and you want to hear how did he get himself out and what can you learn from that? So the trick is, is like, digging in with people and trying to say like, hang in there, like go deeper, go deeper. What was that moment when you realized that you had a change that you could bring for your, for your customers? I love that. Uh, you know, this is probably my favorite part of the conversation so far, just because it's so in line with sort of what I've been personally experiencing. And, you know, this is, this is where my comment on, you know, starting a course called no bullshit blogging came from, yeah. um, was, was about things like this. But I mean, James is a great example because he literally just bleeds onto the page. You can kind of just sense it, you know, and I love the way you describe that. It, it's funny because in some ways, I, the way you're talking about this, I'm like, wow, I'm like, is this a, is this a, an appointment with a therapist or a PR media strategist? <laughs> and I, I remember the first time a copywriter sent me questions about something like this. And I was like, are you a copywriter or are you a therapist? Because these questions have nothing to do with my copy. But then you kind of start to realize, okay, never mind. They have ab- absolutely everything to do. And I love that piece on the origin story. I think that that is something that, you know, we leave that out so much. I mean, we we present these sort of manicured versions of who we are because we think that that's what we're supposed to do after reading all these ideas on best practices and all this nonsense. Yeah. And you know, that this actually, this whole framework came from me. Um, I talked in the beginning about how I get bored very easily. And when I was in my career, um, at the agencies, we used to write, create these enormous messaging documents for clients. It would be like a page of maybe six key messages and then a full page of like supporting messages for each of these. And they were just horrible. I mean, they were boring to write and they were boring to read. And that is something really important for copywriting and for creating messages and everything. Like if you are bored writing something, your audience is going to be bored reading it. (laughs) There's no way (laughs) that if you're not interested and you're not doing what James is doing, which is like bleeding out on the page, that you are ever going to capture someone's attention, much less their imagination or their passion for what you're doing. Mm No doubt. Um, so one question actually comes from that. You know, you mentioned sort of it, it's funny because the seeds of this actually go way back to something you did in your past. And has, it's sort of come full circle, like you said. I'm curious. I mean, are there things that we can do to figure out, you know, like those kinds of things from our past? Like if I'm looking at my past, which, you know, I've more or less felt felt as a landmine of bullshit. But, um, you know, are, are there ways that we can look back at that and pull those into the work that we're doing today and, and find potential threads for things that we could carry into our work, our projects, our products, and, and the things that we're doing online? Ooh, no one's ever asked me that question before. Um, I think one thing that's helped me and, and that's really relevant to this conversation is find the places where you've kind of numbed out because there's probably a lot of pain there. Um, for me, that was politics. Like I stopped um, watching, I, I basically stopped consuming the news despite what I do, except for um, for clients for like four years, <laughs> um, because of how upset I was about, about that whole, like, you know, 
seeing my articles show up in the political spectrum. Um, I used to follow politics really closely. So that was an area I had totally numbed out. Um, the messaging that I was just talking about, that was an area that it was so boring. And so one thing I'm, I'm like obsessed with is taking those areas, um, where obviously like there's something there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be kind of, I think, avoiding them so much or so have these like strong, like sensations of like, Oh, I can't ever go through that again. Like that means that there's a better way. So, and I think you kind of do that with what you're doing now is you take your experiences, right. With your corporate background and that informs everything that you're doing now. So just kind of poking at those areas where, um, maybe you're suppressing some stronger feelings or (laughs) or anger about something can be a great way to find out what you're really passionate about and where you should be going next. Mm -hmm. Well, let's do this. Um, let's talk, you know, the final thing you said around all of this is, is that you take all this and you help people create brands that spread. And that is really, really fascinating to me because I, I want to start looking at what brands, one, you know, how do you get somebody to building a brand that spreads after, you know, some of this initial stuff? And what have you found as the common characteristics um, in brands that spread and brands that you're personally very drawn to? Hmm. Brands that spread and brands that I'm personally very drawn to. The brands that I am most drawn to, not surprisingly, I think are the ones that aren't afraid to like make a statement. I mean, this isn't a brand, although I guess you could say, but Penelope Trunk, she's such a great example for me um, because I definitely don't agree with her philosophies. Like there's a very strong thread in her writing that Um, She writes about careers and often uh, advice for women. And when you read her site, it can feel like women have two options. They can go for a very, very high-powered career, or they should have babies. Well, I don't want babies, (laughs) but I also, like, I want to have my own business, but I don't want to be, like, you know... Sheryl Sandberg or like, like, I don't want to be a big high-profile CAO either. Like, I feel like... (laughs) the kinds of options that Penelope lays out for me are not ones that I actually, um, would want, but what makes her message spread so much is that she is out there, man. The experiences that happen in her life are like unbelievable. It's like the truth is stranger than fiction. Right. And she puts it out there. She's, she doesn't flinch from it. Um, but she also can give some like a really great insight and advice. And so I think that all of the brands that do so well, you mentioned um, Ryan Holiday. I mean, he is a freaking master at this, right? Um, and helping just say like, I'm going to position my clients in such a way that they're out there taking these really strong stances and you can take it or you can leave it. I mean, his work with American Apparel illustrates that so perfectly. Like I will never shop at American Apparel. Um, I'm not their core audience, but a lot of people are. And I really admire brands who are willing to go out there and just make a statement, a statement of beliefs. Um, because for, for me and I like conscious consumerism is really important. Um, and I think that that is something that is so untapped. It's something that people are so afraid of, of tying product to purpose. Mm-hmm. So 
great stuff. A couple of questions come from that. I'm going to make one comment. Uh, as you were talking about making a statement, I can't help but go back to this conversation I overheard with somebody at uh, Social Media Marketing World. They went up to Sally Hogshead and they showed uh, this guy showed him uh, showed her his business cards and his branding. And and her response was, "I think you need a little more fuck you in your brand." <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, I really want to write that as a blog post." And he still hasn't written it. I'm kind of like, "Wow, if I wrote that as a blog post, that might piss some people off." But very tempted to do that. But, um, you know, I think you, you brought up two things around that that, uh, you know, I, w- I want to dig into a bit more detail around. One is, you know, making a statement. I mean, how do you find the statement that you're trying to make? Um, and, and, you know, when you get you, – know, when, when a client has gotten through all the stuff that you do with them, I mean, getting them to the point where their brand starts to spread, like what – you know, beyond making a statement, you talked. You also talked about a product and purpose. And purpose is one of those things that you know. Uh, fortunately, we're going to have Simon Sinek here on the show soon, so we can finally get some answers to this question. But I feel like that's another one of those things that a lot people don't have a lot of clarity around. So I'm curious, you know, how do you tie all that together so that you basically help somebody create a brand that spreads? I think you have to make sure you're always triggering emotion. You know, you have to tap into the craving that your customer has. Um, in a really powerful way. And that's all about triggering emotion, whether it's through sharing your story, whether it's really reflecting back to them what it is that they're craving um, through their own language. Um, I, I think that that's really, at the end of the day, if you're lacking emotion, your message isn't going to go anywhere. And, and it can either be shared through you know, standing up and having a lot of a few and swagger. Um, but it can also be done in a much, much, much more quiet way. Um, so I think that that all is going to be dependent upon kind of like how you're showing up and what your, what your customer is going to respond to best. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do this. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the, the showing up, doing it in a quiet way. Cause I think that is kind of a mystery to me. I'm kind of like, really, you could do this in a very quiet way. Um, because it, it's, it's almost, you know, like it, it's juxtaposition. We're positioning two things that seem really kind of odd to position together, you know, standing out, but in a quiet way. Mm. So any thoughts on, on, cause I'm guessing there are sort of people who would probably fall right in line with that. And I'm wondering how you do that. Like when you have a client that falls into that sort of, you know, that specification, like, what do you do with, what do you do with that? Well, you know, there's something about that. Like, you know, when you're having a conversation and somebody drops their voice and you lean forward and you lean in, (laughs) um, I think it's about getting your customer to lean into you or getting your audience to lean into what you're saying. Um, and, and that to me is really about, not leading with your indignation or anything like that, but it goes into a yearning that they have. And a person who I think does this really well is uh, Taro Sophia Moore, um, who does the Playing Big program. And she has had just amazing success with that program. Um, She's definitely, you know, outspoken. She's got um, like a a worksheet on like her 10 rules for brilliant women. And it definitely makes a statement, but I would say there is no F you or swagger about the way that Tara, Tara presents her message at all. It, it really kind of taps into like, I, I mean, I say this again, like this craving that, that women are having to kind of show up differently in the world. Um, and she's using the language that, that her core audience is already using. And I think that the, the power of that cannot be 
um, overstated. You know, in sales techniques, there's like this whole um, idea of mirroring, right? If you're in a if you're in a sales meeting with somebody um, and they lean forward, you should lean forward, and if their voice rises, your voice should rise. And online, I think that using um, your audience's language is the online equivalent of mirroring. Mm-hmm. It's showing them like you belong here. This is your space. Um, you can you can use it in website. You can use it in proposal. You can use it in media interviews. And it's very powerful because when you use the language that they're using, that's when it kind of resonates with what they're already thinking, and you hook them in, and and they they lean in and they want to know more. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it's funny. I was I was just talking to somebody this morning who was telling me she said you know she actually got on the phone with hundreds of her subscribers before she launched some of her her courses and she said her courses sell out you know really well because she's you know people are like it's like you're in my head she's like no she's like you've just told me all these things before I actually did that before I launched my last course too as I got on the phone with some people and the things that they'll tell you and exactly you find out how are they speaking and then you actually just use that exact same language you don't have to message it and that is one thing that I have to work with my clients sometimes um and I, I've worked with some people too on just taking a look at how they're creating their stories in this business mythology. And I think that the exercises of telling your actual stories and your customer stories um, are very powerful because there's a lot of um, inclination, I think, to use language like that, that isn't very accessible, that isn't very concrete. Like people are like, what do you mean by that? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And if people are asking themselves, like, I don't know what those words mean, um, they're not going to dig in to find out. They're just going to click away. So the most important thing that you can do to have your message spread is actually talk in the language that the people that you want to reach are, are already using. Um, it's, But it's it's not something that most people, I think, make the effort to do. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do this. Uh, you brought up your courses, so I, you know I want to start wrapping things up. But let's let's shift gears and let's talk specifically about sort of the business model, the courses, and everything else that you do. Um, you know, I mean, how do you how do you tie all these pieces, you know, and all your knowledge together into the things that actually help make you money and, and you know ba- basically bring in allow you to run a business? <laughs> Good question. Um, <laughs> I am like the classic ENTP, which means that I can never like stick to one focus. <laughs> I always have to be doing new projects. So the core of my business really is um, teaching people um, exactly what we've been talking about, teaching people how to tap into the conversations that people are already having, um, specifically using the media and entering those conversations, attracting more people. So I do that through a program called Your Media Map that um, is like a really, uh, it's an eight-week intensive strategic publicity planning course. Um, I've also started doing mini boot camps. So um, I run those off of like four or five-day boot camps um, to get an intense kind of tactical deep dive into specific subject areas. So I just did a holiday gift guide boot camp teach people who want to um, get their products into gift guides for the holidays, how to do that. Um, so those are really results oriented and allow me to put something together, launch it really quickly and take advantage of like the energy of momentum, which is something that really fuels me. Um, I also work one-on-one with clients to do publicity plans for them. So what I do in your media map is teach people how to do it one-on-one um, I do it for people. And then sometimes I just do other projects that come my way that sound interesting. (laughs) Um, I keep busy. I think that's my business model is to keep as busy as possible because 
I'm the kind of person who needs to have a lot of things going on or else I stop working altogether. <laughs> well, I think this is actually, okay. So a couple of questions come, uh, yeah, you know, from this, I mean, I, I remember the call that you did with Tara for the, the media map stuff and it was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. There was so much useful advice in that. Uh, but I, I don't want to dig d- too deep into that. What I'm actually more interested in, uh, is, is sort of, you know, how we can take a look at sort of all the sort of the various pieces of the things that we do, the things we're good at, and translate those into the things that we can get paid for and, and the things that we can actually make a business out of, like courses, uh, you know, working with people. I mean, like, you know, let's say you're working with me and, and I, you know, one thing people have always said is start a, a course or something on podcasting. I'm like, I am never going to do that because I would hate that. Uh, but like, you know, if you're working with somebody, I mean, how do you help them find those kinds of pieces of their own business? How do I, how would you help people find? Well, so you've got all these things that you know how to do and, and you've connected all the pieces of all your skills and knowledge together into the various things that allow you to generate money. So I'm curious, you know, how would you help somebody? You know, what's your advice for people to find that within their own, uh, you know, body of work or, or expertise? Gosh, I don't think my advice is very good because for me, it's just been like experimentation and a lot of trial and error. Um, I'm very, very clear on, um, what I won't do. And, um, some of that I've learned through like taking on projects that, you know, I know I can deliver on, but maybe kind of dragged more energy away from me than they gave to me. So, I'm like the kind of person who really likes to check in with like, am I, how excited am I by this? And I've, I've recently come to realize that I want to be like totally turned on by my work, you know? And if I feel like that's how I feel about my work, like I'm going to be totally generous. I'm not going to hold back. I don't care if the project goes like a bit over the hours that I thought it would, cause I'm so excited to do it. Then I just go for it. And like, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. Um, I do though, I do think though that there should be something like a core, like for me, that's the, your media map program. It's like, I'm running that once a year. I know it's going to make me some money. I'm getting to refine it every year. Now I've run it twice. I'm getting to refine it every year and make it better and better. And, um, you know, so there is kind of like that grounding principle. Um, so I think it's good to be grounded with like, what is one core thing you can offer. But from there, for me, it's just like, I want to be really excited. And I think that if you're excited about something, you're, you're going to make it work. Like it doesn't matter if it feels a little out of your comfort zone. Yeah. I, uh, well, I think, you know, <laughs> basically that that's the whole thing with the instigator experience is way out of my comfort zone is a big leap. But I was like, this is something I am truly excited about. But I love that you brought that up because it's, it's somewhat counterintuitive and we've spent a lot of time beating this one, like a dead horse on the show recently. So I don't want to belabor it too much, but there is something I think you just you know what happens when you're excited about it you put in mm-hmm. like it, it bleeds through the work it's kind of like you were saying about your writing if you're bored you know writing something people are going to be bored reading it and I think that applies to the work you're doing as well like if you're bored doing it it's going to come across in, in the people who are affected by it yeah and like I think I think a little bit in like this this online entrepreneurship world that we're in, there's a little too much of a focus of everything you sell has to be on your website or you have to make an offer around everything. Mm-hmm. And I find that with me, so on, on my site, I offer the course, you know, the courses when they're open and I offer like a consultation around my, around my consulting. That sounds kind of weird, but you know, like a free, like, are we going to work together? And, and I have some consulting packages that I can offer to people. But I get a lot of work outside of that scope 
but I would never put it on my website. And right now, actually, I'm, uh, I have this opportunity that I can't really talk about right now. Um, but it's this amazing opportunity with this amazing person who I totally admire. And it started in, from a PR conversation and has totally evolved into this kind of like content management, community building opportunity. And those kinds of things will happen if you're constantly showing up in your work with integrity, like people will start to think about you and refer you. Um, and so I think there can be something of a, like, you don't have to put every single offer on your website. Sometimes if, if you're really great about making connections with people and being really intentional to kind of like hang with the right people, um, then things are going to come your way that you would never have expected. And I think that that's where life gets really interesting and exciting. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that to me, that's about the willingness to stick with it for, you know, long past when the average person will quit because that those kinds of things in my mind start to show up when you've been, like you said, showing up with integrity and doing it for a very, very long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. That's true. They don't, they don't happen on day one, but it's worth sticking around for. Well, Bridget, uh, this has been absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to close with my final question, which you've probably heard me ask uh, half a dozen times. And uh, strangely, I don't know why. I, I, I thought I would change this, and maybe in some ep episodes you guys have heard me change it, but I'm not going to change it just because I, I actually want to ask you this question. You know, you, know you, you and I have both been you know, fortunate enough to be close friends with some very, very successful people online, and I'm guessing you've seen a mix with your clients, people who go out and really get results and you know, those who don't quite get there. And what I am curious about in your experience, your opinion, and, and having gone through all this, what separates the people who thrive from the ones who don't? Hmm. I think, I think to thrive, you really have to have a mix of, um, like curiosity around what you're doing so that you're always kind of staying ahead of the subject, which is what makes you kind of like an expert. I know you don't love the phrase expert, but I think <laughs> more importantly than that, you have to have a make it work attitude. <laughs> you know, I mean, one of the things that I've had to do in running my business is figure out like a very minimal amount of coding. And, um, I'm kind of stupid about those kinds of things. Like I'm a language person, <laughs> coding person. Um, but I do think that if you come to your business with this attitude, especially when you're starting out, that you want to understand how everything works, that you don't want to outsource like every single little piece from the very beginning. Like, I'm just going to hire a VA and throw all of that at them. And I don't need to know how that goes. I think that that is kind of a shirking of a responsibility that's going to hurt you in the long term. I think you have to be really willing to like understand how everything is working together so that you can as you, as you go on to the point where you get to like delegate all that stuff away, um, that you kind of understand what's possible and that when going gets tough and the chips are down, like, you know, you have that in you, like you've proven to yourself that you can like stick with the tasks that aren't in your sweet spot. Um, so that when you really have to pull a miracle out, you know, that you can dig deep and do it. Love that. Yeah, I you know it's I think it just kind of brings our conversation full circle when it comes to curiosity and uh, you know I think the more you're willing to break things and try things that might not work the the more likely you are to find the things that do. That's right. So. Yeah. 
If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to The Unmistakable Creative. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. 
Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.